1: Let me just tell you now, they weren't fair trials. Not a single one of them.
2: Naomi Crocker worked many professions in her life. Between 1889 and 1912, she worked as a housekeeper, a nurse, and a clairvoyant. Moving from Monroe County to Madison to La Crosse, Naomi repeatedly found herself in Wisconsin's circuit court system. She'd been a plaintiff, a witness, and lastly, a defendant. The verdict in that case changed the course of her final years.
1: I got married young. I was just seventeen. Married, had two babies, lost one when she was eleven years old. Her father and I divorced after that. Then I lost my mother two years later. My father had already passed many years before, so I didn't have anybody to help me. I moved around a lot to make ends meet. I worked a lot of jobs. I'm not too proud to do what I have to do to put food on the table and have a place to live. But seems like everywhere I go, I'm getting screwed. One day, just sitting in my home in Madison near the state capitol, the gas company came out to replace my meter and the gas main wasn't capped. I nearly choked to death on the fumes. I had been working as a nurse But I was so sick after that, I couldn't work again for some time. After I moved to La Crosse, I was just walking across Main Street one day when I was hit by a car. That Harry Coleman from the Coleman Lumber Company was driving way too fast. But did anyone believe me? (laughs) Of course not. And now, this mess. People saying all these nasty things about me when all I tried to do was to help that poor girl. Well, I should have known better, for all of it. I learned early on that the only person who's going to look out for you is you. And even then, sometimes that's just not good enough.
2: Cracker did indeed have her fair share of encounters with the court. She had tried and failed twice to sue the Madison Gas and Coke Company for injuries she sustained in her home. In 1907, Crocker sued Harry Coleman for thousands of dollars in damages relating to the incident with his car on Main Street. She stated she sustained injuries, but other witnesses testified that the car Coleman was driving was not going fast and that, quote, the fender merely grazed her skirts. It was reported that Crocker fainted into the arms of the vehicle's passenger, Alfred James. She lost this case as well.
1: I still have the limp.
2: Around the same time, rumors began to spread that Naomi was soliciting medical practices for, quote, women in need. Authorities had been watching her for some time suspiciously, but could never get any victims to testify, which is unsurprising considering the alleged activities were illegal. That all changed in 1912 with Mary Kranz. Mary Kranz is my daughter. She told me that evil woman, Naomi Crocker, had promised to aid her if ever needed and she performed an illegal operation on my sweet daughter. Can you believe it? That woman was peddling abortion services. She put my daughter's life in danger. Well, I went straight to District Attorney James Thompson and filed a complaint on her. Naomi Crocker was arraigned in county court and charged with performing an abortion, which was an illegal operation she pled not guilty. Unable to pay bail, Crocker was held in the county jail. She was 63 years old at the time. District Attorney James Thompson had a history with Naomi Crocker. The two had been on opposing sides in court one day in another trial when Naomi grew angry with his questioning of her and struck him with her cane, knocking him to the floor of the courtroom.
1: Let the record reflect, I merely grazed his skirts.
2: During the proceedings at hand, District Attorney James Thompson, quote, kept one eye on the door, one eye on the defendant, and a table between them. Several other area wives came forward to testify against Naomi, stating she solicited business in her unlawful trade. Reports of Naomi stated that, quote, she had plied her terrible trade for years with impunity and, quote, is known as one of the strangest characters in the underlife of this city. When asked by the court whether she had anything to say before sentencing, Naomi rested heavily upon her wooden cane and said this,
1: I question the means used by the prosecution to bring about my conviction. The jury has deliberated for no more than a half an hour, and yet a life is at stake. My life. You call that justice? I've never seen justice inside the walls of a courtroom. When has any court come to my aid? (laughs) And yet you deem yourselves capable of condemning my life. I am 63 years old and in poor health. Any sentence upon me will likely be terminal. I have sat by, as the papers have called me, a savage old dame. I've listened to the women of this town pass judgment upon me for only doing what was necessary to put a roof over my head and food on my table. Does that make me a savage? (laughs) No. If I am found guilty, It is upon the testimony of women whom I believe to be lewd and who speak untruths. They are the savage ones. My conscience is clear.
2: The jury found Naomi Crocker guilty of second-degree manslaughter for the illegal operation. District Attorney Thompson said that this was the, quote, first time in the history of the criminal courts of La Crosse County that a woman has been convicted of a serious crime. The judge sentenced Crocker to five years in prison at Waupon. It is difficult to understand Crocker's motives in the Kronz case. Whether she was a hustler or a heroine of the times remains a mystery. She had no further contact that we know of with the Kronz family following the court outcome. Mary Krons seemed to go on to a troubled life, marrying a bigamist and giving birth to two children. Her mother, Rebecca, had Mary institutionalized in a home for the feeble-minded. We know even less about Naomi Crocker following her conviction, At the time, given her age and her reported poor health, it was suspected that the sentence was likely for life, but Crocker served her time and was released. She died at the age of 82 in 1931 at the Floyd County home in Iowa. She is buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in Sparta. And now I'd like to welcome in Carla Swerman of the La Crosse Public Library Archives Department who did some of the initial research for this story. Buried with Naomi Crocker is the truth behind her outlandish
0: actions. Perhaps her motivation was simply to make ends meet, as suggested in this Dark Lacrosse episode. But in-depth research supports other layers to her life as well. First is that epilepsy likely impacted her entire being. According to Naomi's death certificate, she had a history of epilepsy. With epilepsy at intervals, she may not have been able to hold down a job. Naomi sometimes identified herself as a housekeeper. At other times, she considered herself a clairvoyant, a chiropractor in an era when there were no licensure requirements for chiropractors, and a nurse, a job title that carries varied meanings. Regardless. Naomi's sketchy work history was fitting for someone with bouts of epilepsy. So were her living conditions. Naomi and her son lived near the UW-Madison campus when he attended there. After he graduated, she lived at various downtown La Crosse locations. Residing in close proximity to stores and public services aided Naomi since she walked with a crutch. One newspaper account even labeled her a cripple. Naomi may have been mocked because of her physical limitations, but the epilepsy, which had a much stronger stigma then than it does today, surely fueled ridicule and mistreatment, all of which would have had a profound effect on her psyche. This leads to another layer. Naomi may have had an undiagnosed mental illness. Her behaviors were odd. For example, she sometimes identified herself as divorced, other times as a widow when her ex, Ephraim Crocker, was alive and remarried. Either way, she went by Mrs. Naomi Crocker. Both suits against the Madison Gas Company occurred five to seven years after the alleged incident. Her fury was astonishing. According to a Lacrosse Tribune account, when District Attorney James Thompson questioned her, she suddenly flew in a rage and struck violently at him with her crutch. It was only Mr. Thompson's agility that saved him from a blow that had force enough to floor him. Naomi already had a courtroom reputation. Years earlier in the Madison Gas case, a Wisconsin State Journal reporter wrote, attorneys are making an effort to provide that she is a woman of bad reputation. It is talked in the courthouse corridors that women would be out of place in the courtroom during its hearing. Naomi herself was at home in the courtroom with frequent appearances all supporting another possibility. She knew how to work the system. For example, while living in Madison, when another woman stole Naomi's garden flowers, what did Naomi immediately do? File a suit. As a plaintiff, she sought large sums of money, $5,000 in her cases against the Madison Gas Company. While the La Crosse Tribune reported a potential $2,000 payout in the auto accident with Harry Coleman, newspapers throughout the state publicized $5,000. Coleman was even described as a millionaire. Naomi apparently knew whom to sue. It's even possible that she premeditated the accident. Naomi told the Tribune reporter that she had stepped out in front of the vehicle. She also explained, "This is the fourth accident for me with automobiles this summer. Three times I have barely escaped by quick work on the part of the driver or myself. Twice my dress has been scraped by the wheels and I just missed being injured." Yet, I think Mr. Coleman was not driving fast. As far as my injuries go, I think no bones are broken." In court, however, she contended that Coleman was driving at a careless rate of speed, which resulted in a hip injury and a siege of illness. So was Crocker a divorced woman merely trying to survive? A victim of epilepsy? A mentally ill soul? A con artist? Or were her actions motivated by a combination of these layers? We will never know. What we do know is that Naomi was the first woman, and probably the only woman, in La Crosse County to be sentenced with manslaughter for an abortion. Crocker will certainly live on in La Crosse's history as a contentious courtroom character.